Hi there, and welcome to Barely a Podcast. I'm going to level with you, I am exhausted, which is pretty ironic for a furloughed worker. In other news, I completed the marathon that was 10 by 10 by 21 the University of Edinburgh's 10 weekday long, as I later found out, animation jam. 10 days, 10 individual works created in no more than 24 hours. It was brutal. Believe it or not, the hardest days were actually days 3 and 10. Who knew? I just want to quickly throw a shout out to the animators who partook in the jam and allowed us weird sound guys to put them to music and sound. Honestly, you guys are awesome. Check out the link to the whole jam in the show notes or just search for 10x10x21 on Vimeo. And you have been warned, there's about 500 videos on there, plenty of stuff to trawl through. But hey, just watch a couple. It's great. Follow some of those creators. They are definitely worth it. But, you know, it's a new week, so let's try and figure out where we go from here. Hopefully not the tedious boredom of a directionless lockdown. Again, it's so easy to fall down that hole. So, I hope you have your coffee ready. This week is a delightfully full-bodied, balanced roast. It's called Best Blend from Braithwaite Tea and Coffee Merchants in Dundee. It is, I can't believe I'm actually saying this, but I think it is my favourite morning coffee that I will ever have. It's perfect. But like I said, sometimes lockdown can be a little bit boring, a little bit directionless. You know what? The past two lockdowns, there's been a lot of directionless vegetation with me. One thing has quite readily given me something to work towards. Video games. So let's get started with episode 3, Video Games 101. I have been an avid gamer for a lot of my life. Some of my favourite memories were playing my hand-me-down turquoise Game Boy Colour, running around Kanto with my Pikachu, and catching a Growlithe with my Master Ball, because I had no idea I was supposed to leave it from Mewtwo. One of my greatest achievements in life. But I digress. Over the years, new consoles marked important stages in my life. I bought my very own Game Boy Advance with the little pocket money I could save up. When I reached the maturity of double digits, I was gifted a PlayStation 2. I distinctly remember screaming in joy when I opened it on Christmas Day and spent the entire day playing Spyro Year of the Dragon and Scooby-Doo and the Cyber Chase. Of course, then puberty hit. It sucked, but to counteract it, my sister saved up a stupid amount of money and upgraded me to a PlayStation 3. I lived on the Elder Scrolls Oblivion. To this day, I own four copies of it on various platforms and Mass Effect 2 and 3. At the very end of my secondary school career, and just before university, one of my best friends converted me to the pinnacle of gaming, that is, the PC Master Race. I think you get the picture. I identified as a gamer. However, over the years since university, my gaming appetite had flagged. It was one of those hobbies that I'd mentioned in the previous episode. But eventually, lockdown caused me to turn on an old console which hadn't seen any action in a very long time. An original Xbox. Yup, the big black box with the green X over the top that Microsoft so kindly launched in 2002. I have two franchises that I'm known to be infatuated with. The Lord of the Rings and Star Wars. 
and those of you paying attention will remember that I mentioned a love of Mass Effect previously. Well, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, or KOTOR as I shall abbreviate it to because it is quite the mouthful, is the golden gem of Mass Effect developer Bioware. When I, like many others, jumped on the YouTube bandwagon for watching gaming streamers and content creators, I found a man called Jesse Cox, a red-headed, cuddly gentleman who reminded me of myself, but American, and he advocated this game like nothing on earth. So several years ago, I went into my local CEX store and there it was for the original Xbox. I bought it and it has been sitting in the jewel case ever since. Well, it's lockdown time, so I thought I'd give it a go. KOTOR happens a long time before the Star Wars prequels, and follows the protagonist, of whom you get to choose their gender and class before a very numbers-heavy attribute score delegation, as they try to remember their coloured past. It starts in a Republic cruiser, which gets boarded by the evil Sith, obviously, and takes you through the far-flung planets of the galaxy, including some fan favourites like Tatooine and Kashyyyk. During your travels, you manage to recruit friends, acquaintances, mercenaries, and sociopathic droids to your crew, and some of them align with the Jedi mindset, others the Sith. Ultimately, it's your choice as to how you play. Do you forgo the Republic and side with the Sith Empire, or are you a goody-goody? There's plenty of blasters, lightsabers, single-handed, double-bladed, or duel, force powers, intrigue, and aliens to keep you going. In terms of mechanics, this is an old-school RPG, and essentially a, a literal translation of number-crunching, dice-rolling, tabletop RPGs like Dungeons & Dragons. If you've ever played an MMORPG, that's massive multiplayer online role-playing game, it's got a very, very similar style. You don't get to hit a button and control your Jedi slashing left, right, and center. Hold your horses until we get to the next game. Instead, you pick your target, say attack, and the computer then starts animating hacks and slashes and parries and blocks, whilst in the background, random number tables are being used to calculate your overall success rate in whatever activity you're trying to achieve. I'm not usually a lover of this system. I, I much prefer getting to mash buttons wildly and seeing an action map to each press, but I suppose this is the exception that proves the rule. Possibly, now that I've actually played D&D and a handful of other systems, it's opened my eyes to the terrifying anticipation that random number generation provides. The banter you can get up to with your teammates really helps to give you that feeling of in-game autonomy, that your decisions don't only affect you, but the universe at large. As usual, I ended up with the same two mates every mission. Ironically, Mission and Bastila, but it's because I actually cared about them. Mission's backstory made me incredibly protective of her, whilst Bastila is completely unaware about her real self, having been essentially hand-reared, as it were, as a Jedi weapon. Which brings me to the whole light-side-dark-side agenda. In this time period, in Legends anyway, it's a very black-or-white rendition of Force users. You're either with the Jedi or the Sith Empire. However, in KOTOR you see all the shades of grey in the middle. Sometimes the Sith agenda is what you personally would class as the morally correct decision, whereas other times it's the good old Jedi. There are hard decisions to make, which makes the replayability more of a guarantee than a possibility. I've actually just finished my dark side playthrough, having initially gone for a 
goody two-shoes Jedi run as a start-off. And all in all, as long as you can overlook the polygon graphics, or if you play it on the Xbox One or Series XS, this game is a gem. And I finally understand the hype that Jesse exuded when I learned of it. You can escape to a galaxy far, far away and forge your own story, albeit on rails. Having that semi-open world RPG is exactly what I needed. Enough space to go exploring, but an edge of the map which means it doesn't take 20 minutes to go from one side to the other. And let's face it, I don't have to climb to the top of the tower, gaze at the horizon, and then jump into a bale of hay every five minutes. But enough talk. Play now. I have one question for you. Did I catch you out last session with my delightful failed attempt to say, Star Wars, Jedi, Fallen Order? Yeah, I made a boo-boo. I have officially revoked my gamer license. Nevertheless, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order was really high up on my playlist when it came out, until I realised that my ancient PC would not be capable of running it without potato settings. So, when I inevitably joined Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, when they offered me three months for a pound at the start of lockdown, <clears throat> great bargain, I saw it was available to download on my equally ancient first-gen Xbox One, so you know what, I gave it a go. I hadn't watched any playthroughs of the game, and I jumped in blind. Safe to say I was expecting a nice, story-driven, possibly lightweight action game. How could I have been so wrong? The Souls vibe is real. And for those not in the know, Souls games were made famous over a decade ago with Demon Souls, a fantasy action game which was notoriously difficult yet unbelievably rewarding to complete, and then there was a spiritual successor and that became a gaming sensation, which resulted in a trilogy, a board game franchise, and another spiritual successor, let alone a remaster which was released a year or two ago. It was a big deal. Anyway. Fallen Order takes place a little while after the infamous Order 66, in between the prequels and the original series, and it follows a Padawan who is able to escape the destruction of the Jedi Temple and the ever-watchful eyes of the Imperial Inquisition afterwards. Let's just say there's some familiar faces if you've ever watched the Star Wars Rebels TV show. Cal Kestis, the protagonist, digs deep and uses his force powers eventually to save a friend on the backward scrapping world of Braca, which unfortunately for him alerts the Inquisitors and some as of yet unknown allies. Of course, you then find out that you need to save the Jedi Order, or at least a holocron full of the locations of young force sensitives scattered across the galaxy. It seems typical, simple Star Wars stuff, right? Well, no. Because I should also mention that because Cal has been hiding for so long, he's kind of forgotten the majority of his Jedi awesomeness. But you do gain that knowledge back through really intuitive, I don't know, cutscenes, flashbacks. My ludology knowledge is not as comprehensive as I would like. And Cal remembers his lessons with Master Tapal on a Republic Venator class cruiser. 
and you get to see the clones he's stationed with and they talk to you and they're best buddies and it's really sad when they try to kill him. As I mentioned earlier, the game is essentially a deliberately hard hack and slash action game a la Dark Souls. So, really, we just start off with our light attack and our heavy attack, and then as the game progresses, we spend our hard-earned force points to augment these skills with more, including throwing your lightsaber and slowing down time. Yay! Each time you rest at a meditation point, which is analogous to the soul's campfire, you respawn all the enemies on the map, which of course lets you farm force points and experience pretty freely. Occasionally, you'll get to enjoy terrifyingly hard boss battles with crazy large monsters, the Inquisitors, and even a Colosseum-style survival game thing. It can get hairy at times, but as I learned, pretty much at the end of the game, the best thing to do is use your lock-on to the target and then recite, I am one with the Force, the Force is with me. It gets brutal fast. You need to be calm, you need to learn the attack patterns, you need to counter when it's safe rather than my favourite style of playing, running at the enemy and then just spamming attack and then raging at the TV because a scout trooper parries me and then kills me. Me. A total Jedi badass. Like, not cool. Contrary to my previous Star Wars adventure, Fallen Order is definitely a mechanics-first sort of game. To be quite frank, until Cal reaches Dathomir and unearths the identity of the Wanderer, I wasn't overly invested in how Cal and his band of merry rebels were doing. Don't get me wrong, there's plenty of bits of dialogue between the characters and a few twists and reveals which were great, but I mean the main story, it's find the holocron and start a new Jedi order. It just, it feels a little tropey, a little forced. It's almost as if Respawn had all of the twists and the intricate character interactions nailed down and all of these fantastic concepts that they wanted to include. And then they were just like, oh, wait, hold on. We need to tie all of these bits together. Um, haha, go find the holocron. It just feels a little bit disappointing. Of course, as the game progresses, this turns into a little bit more of a convoluted plot. It's not just as simple as, oh, can you go get the holocron? But it just starts out really boring. And in the grand scheme of things, it's not bad. It's just certainly no quarter. And I know you're all screaming at your device telling me it's comparing apples and oranges. And I totally agree. You play Kotor for the narrative and fall in order to hack and slash your way through as many stormtroopers as you can and just feel awesome when you do it. I just thought I should warn you. But anyway, one of my love-hate parts of the game is the level design and the maps. I get flashbacks to Metroid Prime and trying to find my way through the map. Fallen Order is so similar with its sort of semi-open world design, but the somewhat hard-to-navigate UI and plenty of areas that aren't accessible until you relearn new skills makes it a pain, especially when you're returning from one area back to where you were before and you've forgotten how it works because you've spent so much time in another planet, but you need to get back over there, but you've forgotten and you fall down and uh, it, it messed with my head. Also, don't leave me to navigate anywhere. I will get you lost. But I mean, if you're looking for a game 
that you can actually sink your teeth into, that has some meat, that you have to learn the mechanics. And then there's this ebb and flow between your character's actions, the computer's character's actions, and how you respond to what's going on around you. Then you need to stop listening to this immediately and go play Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Seriously, it's simple as that. It is really, really good for what it is. And it's also dirt cheap in the supermarkets at the moment if you're in Britain. But the biggest, I don't know, issue with Fallen Order is it's a gateway drug. I have never spent so much time deliberating on whether I should buy the Souls Trilogy Remastered, return to the terrible Steam edition that I have, or just to buy it again for my Switch. Having completed Fallen Order, I want to try the self-flagellation that is Dark Souls again, because now I actually might stand a chance. I mean, I was a Jedi. The only way is up. Which brings me on to game number three. Can you believe it? We're going to leave the Star Wars universe huzzah. In its stead, we're going to keep with the sci-fi theme and look at Mass Effect Andromeda, a game which was plagued with bad reviews and fan disappointment. Developed by the venerable Bioware of KOTOR fame, Mass Effect has a huge following due to its stellar storytelling. We are going to glance over the Mass Effect 3 controversy, somewhat autonomous decision-making, and incredible lore. Andromeda is the first departure from the main series which follows Commander Shepard and follows the Riders, two generations of humans as they're sent to terraform and colonize the Andromeda galaxy. Andromeda mixes action, role-playing, space dating sim, and cover-ish based third-person shooter. Now, there is a lot of lore in Mass Effect, so I'm going to try and keep this as brief as possible. Two generations of riders, that is Alec and his children, Sarah and Scott, head to the Helios Cluster as part of the Andromeda Initiative, and they're joined by the other main players of our galaxy, the Turians, the Krogans, the Salarians, and the Asari. Now, each species has appointed one individual as their pathfinder and granted them the ability to coexist with an AI in a neural network in their heads. This is something very much frowned upon. When the Arcs, of course the name of the colony ships, wake from cryosleep, they're met with the Purge, an energy surge which does not play well with technology and is plaguing the Helios Cluster. Nobody knows why. After that, of course, there's a terrifying brush with a truly aggressive race, only known as the Ket. The human arc, however, manages to reach the rendezvous point, only to find that no other races have made it. Dot dot dot. Yet. Along the way, Papa Ryder hands his Pathfinder title to one of his children, either Sarah or Scott, depending on the player's choice of character, and the fun really begins. Ryder has to terraform previously viable worlds, find other arcs, and somehow defeat the Ket and their leader, Archon, who is relentlessly chasing Ryder to access their AI, who is colloquially known as Sam. This, of course, is not because it's a cool AI, but Sam manages to connect ancient Andromeda technology, which could be used to destroy the galaxy. You know, nothing big. Just the fate of the galaxy. Obvs. 
Contrary to the previous installments in the Mass Effect series, Andromeda lightens the heavy cover-based combat for a little bit more dynamic movement-based combat. Unlike the main series, there is no game pausing to choose skills or aim. This is a full-blown action shooter. To boot, being Pathfinder allows Ryder to flip between the original class system at will, providing that you've got enough skill points allocated to each skill type. And I will confess, I barely swapped between the different profiles. I mean, I've come from the main series, so I'm used to picking a class and sticking with it through multiple games. This then allows me to pick and choose from the various squad mates that I can collect throughout the game and, you know, use them to really make up for the areas that I lacked in. This of course brings me onto the squad mate controls. They were dodgy at best and I gave up on any form of stealth because either my teammates took the long way around to get to where I wanted them, then alerted the entire camp, or they never regrouped when I needed them and then once I'd either died or they, I'd killed everyone, they came back. It, it was great! But, I mean, it led to a really fun playthrough because I just broke the door down and boom! Say hello to my favourite weapon in Andromeda. Resource management, raw materials which allow you to make new weapons, upgrades, blueprints, etc. is a slight departure. You can scan planets in different systems as usual, but the majority of your mining will be done on several mission worlds dotted throughout the galaxy via the Nomad all-terrain vehicle. And at this point I have to say a massive thank you to the sound team for not using the Mako sound effect from OG Mass Effect. That was horrendous. It was awful and a case study in terrible sound design. <laughs> it was disgusting. And you know, a welcome addition for once is the jump jet. That's right, you can jump around now, and it lets you reposition rapidly and flank opponents, let alone screaming, It's over, Archon! I have the high ground! Bonus points if you can figure out the reference there. <clears throat> In terms of weapons loadout, Andromeda uses a weight-based system, a lot like uh, the first in the entry, if I remember correctly, and you can unlock extra gear slots. So if you have a heavier loadout than you're used to, you'll incur several debuffs to your current skills. It's alright, but my favourite loadout system was the simple loadout system from Mass Effect 2. Here's your class, these are the weapons you can use, have a sidearm, have a main. It was simple, it worked, but having access to all the classes does make the approach completely redundant. So, eh, I'm just nitpicking now. Andromeda is a great game, and I'm not afraid to say it. It's a little more action-y and arcade-y than the main offerings, but that's not a bad thing. I mean, yes, I'm coming to the game several years after it launched, but I can deal with any of the visual bugs or glitches that are there. I mean, have you played a Bethesda game? The story is great, and it has everything you need. A bureaucratic council, civil war, diplomacy, killer aliens, not-so-killer aliens, human fallibility, romance, family, friendships. I was hooked from the get-go. I'm not the biggest fan of games that take 140 hours to complete, but I still happily played about 50 hours just purely for the story. I loved terraforming planets at the beginning, and then seeing the changes several missions later when you return. I was a sucker for the side quests, some of which were your basic fetch quests, others were infuriatingly annoying, such as search the Ket camps for X with no other clues, no pins on the map, and about eight different camps scattered across the map. It is very annoying, especially when you get to the camps 
and you need to search high and low for something that blends perfectly with the textures of the camp. Anyway, rant over. Mass Effect has the grandeur of your favourite space opera, and I don't just mean Star Wars. It has the optimism of Star Trek, the intrigue of Battlestar Galactica, and the fun and somewhat craziness of Farscape. Coming from the main series does give me a slight rose-tinted effect. I see the Solarian arc, and all I can do is think of Mordai. Vetra is essentially Femgaris, so immediately I romanced her in a heartbeat. PB is my weird equivalent of Kasumi. I already have this history with the franchise, and I project that into Andromeda, but I like that. It's like coming home and reading the new book from your favourite author that you pretend you don't like. It's not going to win the Man Booker Prize, but it's a damned enjoyable read. And, you know, seeing as Scotland, at least, has roughly about another month and a half of lockdown, now is the time to jump in. Give it your attention and enjoy the story. If you like doing side quests, you can learn some interesting, albeit useless, information about the galaxy at large. Or not. There's some obligatory open-world mechanics. A sort of light climbing lookout towers, but once you get the hang of one, you speed through them, because it's a little puzzle, and poof, you've revealed the whole map. It's only one per planet. That's alright. I mean, if you're a sci-fi fan of any kind, you really should play this. And let's face it, the original trilogy remaster is on its way, and it is going to be amazing. So get yourself in the mood and play Andromeda. Just, just do it. I'm looking at time here and realise that I have very quickly run through three pretty awesome games and barely dug in deep. I can safely say that my brain has a concentration issue and it can be especially prominent when playing a video game which gets just a bit too samey or that I find too difficult. Until lockdown I could probably count the number of games which I've actually finished on one, possibly two hands. In the space of two lockdowns, I've added another three and played each within an inch of its life. And I've enjoyed it like hell. If that's not an endorsement, I have no idea what is. So I think the takeaway from this is there are games out there. You've got this. You don't need the latest release going for £70. Go to CEX, buy an original Xbox game and be blown away. Because... You know what? Sometimes constraints actually bring out the best in us. Just saying. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Barely a Podcast. It's been a sci-fi fest, but awesome all the same. Drop me a line on socials at Barely a Podcast with your thoughts on the games discussed, any recommendations for what to play next. Unfortunately, I have just jumped into the horrifyingly brilliant world of Darkest Dungeon, and that is consuming a lot of my time. But... I am open for other suggestions. Next week is going to be a little dense, but it's going to be pretty cool as well because it's going to be Home Labs 101. With all that time at home and big data changing privacy policies left, right and centre, there's never been a better time to amalgamate your services and reclaim your data on your own self-hosted server. But wait, you cry, I don't know how to code. I'm not buying an expensive computer. Have you seen the price of electricity? Do not worry. Single board computers are cheap, energy efficient, and very often targeted by the self-hosted open source companies for beginners like us to use. 
It'll be a doozy. Can you bear the weight? In the meantime, please check out all of the awesome animations and soundtracks created as part of 10 by 10 by 21 on Vimeo. Literally, just search 10x10x21 and you will get the whole channel or you can follow the link in the show notes. If you're in the UK, Braithwaite's are offering a postal service. Seriously, their best blend is actually to die for. So follow the link in the show notes for the Facebook page, place an order and drink happy coffee. Once again, thank you so much for listening to me ramble for another 30 minutes. I'll catch you next time on Barely a Podcast.